this crazy world we live in, when people use the word geek, it can create certain impressions. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream. Let's learn about the real people behind the stereotype. I'm your super dummy Paul. This is Geek. Hello, my name is Jack. Um, I am a co-presenter of Season's Greetings along with Tony Farina. Uh, we are currently covering Buffy and we have done Seasons 1, 2 and 3. Uh, moving away through all of the uh, seven seasons before I believe we're going to go on to Angel to do the full kind of Slayerverse. Um, in terms of what I do personally, um, I, I just post all my kind of random thoughts and reviews and opinions on my Twitter feed and on a WordPress site because um, I'm just cheap and that's free um, and really simple to use because it just means I can upload it and just get it out there real quick. Um, I don't tend to write too much. It will just be, I thought this about this comic, you should read it. Um, so I throw all of that out there um, and it's almost just like a running diary really of my uh, consumption of, of TV, movies and, and comics. I had a Tumblr site for a long time which I just dipped in and out of um, and then I moved across to WordPress not for, I, there was no goal with it really um, I don't know why I did it I just one day decided I wanted to keep a record of of what was going on culturally for me um, I thought it'd be interesting to go and look back on you know um, when did I watch that film if I wanted to check something or how many times have I seen this have I read this comic or seen this movie or um, but it as sometimes these things do, I opened up all these wonderful avenues where Tony was the first guy who came across some of the stuff I was writing about Firefly um, and asked me to come onto his indie comic spotlight to talk about the Firefly comics. Um, other than also the nice interactions you just generally get sometimes on, on Twitter, I tend to, um, I, I, I don't, I had Scott talking about this on his podcast this week, actually, this idea of like trolling and, um getting abuse from people i don't I, I seem to have avoided that whether i'm just i don't have enough presence or whether what i say is just not very controversial i don't know but um yeah i've never seen to have encountered that really um and which i'm pleased for because you know with the comics emotions guys and there's a few other people like nurse chatting and jack and the geek stalk uh we have a hulk these these kind of like little pockets of um of geekdom of people who just want to be there to celebrate and to have interesting discussions and um so obviously you find all these people because you you watch something or read something at a similar time to them and that's how i like i've been listening to scott's 20th century geek for a while before then getting to meet him through the comics emotion um yeah so maybe about a year ago i think i started just uploading every time i yeah i read or watched something so there was this little network so it was in the build-up to infinity war um, Jack and the Geekstock were doing a MC rewatch, which I'm sure a lot of us were. Like I was doing my own one um, with my partner, and they were just asking for people to comment whenever they watched one of the movies. So, as I was roughly in line with them, I think I was a couple ahead every time they were asking for it. And then they had a little group called the Geekstalkers, which they reached out and said, "Do you want to join this group? It's just you know a group of people who, like we were saying before, just chat about geeky stuff that they like." Um, we wrote a few articles as, as a group together um, they've dropped off a little bit. I think they're just very busy people. They've got kids and I think a wedding to organize and all this kind of stuff. So they've gone quiet, which is a shame because they're a really genuine bunch of people. Um, so I sort of entered that little network there and then found, yeah, we have a Hulk and nerds chatting and I found Dan through that kind of little avenue. And I remember him talking about the fact he was going to launch his own podcast and it was going to be on this kind of alternative media, this, films you might not have heard of or you know weird kind of comic characters and it just sounded really interesting so I think I was probably on from the first episode to be honest yeah I think so um because I, I sort of was aware it was coming out like he because he'd been announcing how it was going to start um yeah he does he likes to refer to me as his biggest fan which is very sweet um and he's got his um 
50th, no, 100th episode, which we did together. So I came on as almost like a, here's my biggest fan, let's have a chat. Um, and then three hours later, it was epic. We just kept going and going and going. Um, he had the shakes because he hadn't had any dinner, I don't think. So it was like 11 o'clock at night. And he's like, right, we should better stop now. I better go and get some dinner. And um, yeah, that's great. So that's coming out in about a month's time. So it was really nice to have like a face-to-face because you spend all this time talking to these people over Twitter and Discord or whatever it might be. Um, and then you feel like as soon as you've done any kind of face-to-face, there's kind of a, you've broken a barrier of getting to know somebody. Like you already feel friendly with them. But I think just a simple face-to-face, suddenly it feels like you are friends. It feels much more genuinely. And I think he felt the same way, which is why he wanted to make kind of a big event of it, because we've been communicating for years. And obviously, particularly in the time we live in now for the last year, you can't meet up with anyone. Um, he's up north. I'm in London. Um, which, you know, you would make the effort if you could. And, and, and there was a facility to do that around what else is going on in the world. In terms of a job, I'm a secondary school teacher. Um, so I teach year seven to 11, so 11 to 16 year olds in English. Um, and, you know, I always find my way to drop in if I can, any kind of comics or um, particularly at the school I work at, um, you know, you do have reluctant readers. And I know comics aren't always the answer to that, but but that you can sometimes capture some kids through that. So. Yeah, I teach 11 to 16 English and I teach 16 to 18. So sixth form, as we call it. I know some people call it college or I don't know what. Um, Film studies. So that's when I can really unleash my geek side. And I studied a film degree. Um, So I do enjoy teaching English, but that's where I really come alive, I think. And I have had several students across the years saying, like, we had you for English. And, you know you're a decent teacher. Thanks for that. But when you're a film studies teacher, you're like a different person. And it's true, isn't it? Like when you're doing something you, you care, you're passionate about, even in like a work setting. Um, and also they're a bit older. So when they're 16 to 18, you can communicate with them a bit different, I think. But yeah, I, I do feel myself. I get that tingle. Like sometimes when I'm teaching film, where like, I feel like I'm actually imparting something that I know and they're learning from. English always feels like, um I'm always reaching a little bit, particularly if I'm teaching smart kids or you know high ability kids. They're already smarter than me at this age as it is anyway. Um and it's not my background. So I feel like I'm kind of reaching to get them to get to where they need to go. Whereas film, I always feel like I'm slightly ahead. So it's always quite exciting. And you just see the little looks on their faces. I use a scene from although it's not a film, from the Handmaid's TV show, often to talk to them about. And it's just two characters. I don't know if you've seen it. Um it's just two characters stood in a room. They're having marital problems. I mean, unsurprisingly, in the horrible Handmaid's Tale world. Um, and the way that the director shoots them both, and there's a mirror behind um, the husbands, and you can see her reflected in the mirror. It's brilliant. It's, there's so much going on that I can just show these kids these stills, and I'm getting excited doing it. And I mean, it, what they've done here and you can read into this and there's subtext here and they don't need to talk you can tell what's going on in their relationship and there's a close-up of a ring and the ring's between them in the room but it's slightly nearer him because he wants to uh, make the marriage work and she's not interested i'm going into all this with the kids and i'm getting excited and then you start to see their little brains wearing and like they didn't understand that there's this level of storytelling going on often in kind of cinematography and mise-en-scene and the set design and all that kind of stuff so it's so exciting when you get that kind of little moment with them. And that that's one that seems to capture them quite often. Um, so, yeah, when I can, I bring that geeky world across into, into my teaching, definitely. In my classroom, I've got it set up. So I've got um, behind my desk, I've got like my favorite books and comic books and films. Um, so it's got like front covers or, or film posters, um, which I think is important because that gives them a little flavor of who I am outside of when I'm standing there um, performing, because that's what teaching is, right, really. You're performing. I'm not being myself. I'm putting on a, an act for, for these kids whilst I'm doing the job. So they see that little glimmer of who you are, um, and there's a little kind of Avengers section dedicated, just because, I mean, obviously I do love it because I've grown up reading comics, um, but it is good to have that little thing that might capture them, and it's current and it's popular, and, you know, if I'm still doing this in 10 years' time, I may need to change that little selection and put something different up. Um, and it's a little bit manipulative, I suppose, but um, 
it's, it's an avenue to try and start a conversation sometimes with a student when they don't want to or they're, they're having a bad day or they're pissed off with you because you've told them off or whatever it might be um they'll come in and be oh you like avengers do you sir and it you know it just gives that little bit of, of something sometimes it's um it's quite it's quite useful and it's interesting around the conversation we're having today and that i'm sure we'll get there how being a geek wasn't a good thing when i was growing up being a geek now is the best thing to be so um you have those little ways to communicate with each other which is good i guess there's always going to be those people who who would shy away from from the term i don't know why um there'll always be a stigma i suppose from a certain group of people perhaps about it but um i think it's become much more broad hasn't it what that term means now you can be a bird watching geek you can be a train spotting geek you can be a stamp collecting geek like it it, it it doesn't matter anymore does it that, that term just means you're really interested in something it doesn't mean you're somebody to be shunned because of what your interest is which i think is what it used to mean do you know um andy angry andy i know the name he's another twitter guy that i'm friends with he's linked with spider dan as well so i met him through him i think they were they were good friends before you know kind of youtube and podcasts and he reviewed Thunder Force, and there's a section of that movie, a movie I'm never going to watch, let's be honest. Melissa McCarthy, like, superhero movie. It looks like a bit like Hancock with Will Smith, but re- really, really bad. Um, just even from the trailer, and, you know, he, he was not favourable in his review. Um, but he does it so we don't have to, right? He can just watch it and suffer through it and just tell us not to bother, which is great. Um, but there's a section in that film where they do this whole kind of like, oh, you're a nerd, you're a nerd. He was talking about this in his review and it being like a negative stereotype, which is so not current, which is just a really weird thing to have in a comedy in 2021 because there's so many areas of geek and nerd celebration now within popular culture, but outside of it as well, that it feels really like, um, it just feels, yeah, it just doesn't feel contemporary at all. It feels like a script, maybe a line in a script that's maybe been sitting around for, 10, 15 years and they haven't bothered to change it. I've got a brother that's eight years older than me. I was born in 1980. So uh, yeah, I'm 41 now. So he was eight years older than me. So I was lucky in that way that he was bringing all this into, into my sphere, I suppose. So, you know, you think about something like Star Wars, um, you know, 1980, he's eight years old. He was probably old enough to have gone to the cinema. I don't know if he did, but he was probably old enough to have gone to the cinema to see Empire Strikes Back. I mean, he could have been taken to see that. Obviously, me at zero, I wasn't. Um, but, you know, we had all those old Kenner toys, you know, Star Wars duvet sets. So that was probably my first big experience, but because it was in the house, it was there for me. Um, and, you know, by the time I'm, obviously we're fast-forwarding quite quickly, but by the time I'm 10, He's gone. He's gone off to university. So all those kind of wonderful things that he had there, I'm getting into that kind of peak age of, of using and playing with. Um, so Salbs is probably my first way in because of the toys, I think, which I think, I guess, for a lot of people, it, it was as well. Um, And then obviously be experiencing the movies and then being able to reenact the scenes. And so I think that's probably my first way in He-Man as well, maybe the cartoon. And we had quite a few of those toys kicking around. Um, and then I spoke about this when I was first on Tony's show. He he was a big comic reader, which is how, how the interest started for me. I mean, obviously we're in the mid eighties here where he's um, a teenager and we you know we're getting, um, you know, Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight Returns and V for Vendetta, I think is maybe similar area, maybe a little bit later. But I, I do vividly remember I used to sneak into his room when he was out, get the comics I wanted to read, carefully take them out of his, his, you know, he was already at that, you know, at that point of like cellophane, keeping them really careful. I'd read them, make sure I was really careful, put them back. And I'd be, you know, there'd be no evidence of it. And I genuinely think to this day, he still doesn't know. Um, because, you know, he hasn't bothered to listen to the podcast I was on with Tony. Um, so, yeah, I, so I can keep telling this story because he's, he's not listening, so it's fine. Um, so that was my first exposure to comics, definitely. Um, and it's, you know, it's a little brother, big brother thing, right? Like, 
he likes it, so it must be cool. He's a lot older than me. Uh, you don't understand that, whatever age I was, seven, that what he's into isn't trendy and popular and, and current. It just it looked interesting. It was colourful. It had cool superheroes. So, yeah, I wanted to read him. Um, and there are some comics which I can still remember parts of or um, or maybe don't even exist, but in my head, I remember, like, that was something I read because I snuck in there and got it. And one of the, one of the key ones is the is the Claremont and Miller Wolverine Japanese Wolverine in Japan like um, four issue miniseries, which definitely was too mature for me to be reading at that age. But it was there and nobody hit it, so so I read it. Um, and we all watch films too young, don't we? So I guess you know comics is just another avenue for doing that. That that was that early journey, and then it was films for me. And it, as much as I love comics, it, film has been my big passion really my whole life um i was lucky enough to have a little local video shop literally two minutes down the road from me um so that's where all my pocket money went was down there renting videos um and then from an early age i had like you know tv and video player in my room so i was watching whatever i could get my hands on it on there and the other thing which you know kids can get away with can't probably can't get away with now like we could do when we were younger um was recording stuff off tv um particularly because i had a blank video cassettes and a video player in my room so you know great there's a showing of terminator on tonight i'll record that and at 10 years old i'm watching the terminator and die hard and aliens and um because uh, you know i don't want to throw my mum under the bus here but maybe you know she, she was not keeping her eye on that as close as she should be but um that really kind of informed my, you know, passionate interest. And some of those films and some of those comics are still my very favourites to this day, which I think is, I think probably is true for a lot of people, that that early stuff that really gets you passionate about whatever it is stays with you. I mean, I'd put the first Terminator in my top 10 of all time and I would happily argue with somebody why that first Terminator is better than Terminator 2, despite all the obvious reasons why uh someone might think otherwise um for me for me i would always come back to that first one and it's probably because i had that vhs copy recorded off tv that i obsessed over and watched over and over and over um thinking how cool it was that i was watching this really grown up 18 rated i think it's 18 rated 18 rated movie so i guess that's my early that's my early journey through geekdom definitely and you know like football watching and playing came in in the teenage years um and then part-time job so money going out drinking girls all of that became a priority i think films stayed with me that was something that was just kind of my time um all watching with mates of course but but you know that time that i had at the end of the day in my room um but comics drifted away for quite a while i'd say i'd still be reading some um i read uh, but things that i would hear i heard really good things about so you know when the walking dead came out and um 100 bullets and why the last man so these were just so like being so celebrated i was picking those up and reading those um but other than that like buying monthlies i went away for a really a really long time um until sort of the mid aughts probably so my mid-20s um but then again you know, again, money probably around that kind of idea. You know, I'm probably in a, I was in a settled job by that point, a bit more disposable cash, you know, a couple of years out of university. Um, so I got back into comic books around then. I'd moved up to London and there's Forbidden Planet um, up in town. That I'd go and frequent, um, pick my comics up from there. That's something I miss doing, actually. Um, I've gone, I've gone all digital now because it's just, space and time and money and um but i missed that browsing the shelves and pick, finding that oh i've never heard of that i'm going to pick that up today and take that home i just don't do that now um i look for my recommendations from everyone else who's, who's doing that so yeah comics went away for quite a while yeah film stayed with me though definitely and then we kind of hit that golden era of what I feel like is golden era. I know people say now is the best era of TV and there was some really good stuff, but we hit kind of a golden era of, of TV. I know we have like bronze, silver 
ages for comics. I don't know if we have this for TV, but um, unsurprisingly, I'm a massive Buffy fan. Um, but then we had a kind of quite a few things coming. Then we had like 24 and uh, Lost, um, Battlestar Galactica, all within kind of you know a five year period as well. So that kind of um, post 9/11, I suppose, because Battlestar Galactica and 24 were real reactions to that, weren't they? But that kind of Again, early 2000s, I think we had some really good TV around that time. Um, and I think that was the first wave of, oh, wow, TV can actually be as good uh, as as films. Do you know what I mean? Like you can be sitting at home and watching, you know, getting, getting Keith Sutherland at that point to act in a TV show was a real big coup. Um, as good as Batstar Glatzkoe, so he got no name, really. Um, but Keith Sutherland was, an, was a Hollywood actor, he was a movie actor. Um, you know, maybe not A-list, but at this point of his career, but he was a he was a movie star. Um, and it, there, was, there was that kind of era of that happening where, like, people were seeing TV as another avenue. I think for comics, the, the things I remember drawing me in is, is that Wolverine comic I've spoken about before with some Captain America comics. Um, he had quite a lot of 2000 AD, which I really feel like I read because he had them and I loved Rogue Trooper, um, but never really kind of got drawn into that world of 2000 AD. I know a lot of people did and, and have really, you know, kind of encyclopedic knowledge of all the different comics they, they released. I think I, I was a little bit, obviously I was a bit, little bit young for, for the, for the full, um, experience i suppose when it was first coming out but the ones he had never really pulled me in i don't know why um other than i would love to go back and read all of road trooper i would really like um to get hold of all of those and, and give it a go there was a supposedly i think that duncan jones maybe who did like moon and source code and warcraft i believe was rumored to be doing a movie of that for a while i'm not sure if that's disappeared or not but yeah that's a character i always loved um Escapism was always a big thing. Um, not that my life was awful or anything, but um, I just like this idea of being taken to these kind of other worlds um, and having these these other experiences. Um, and I was a big like action figure player as a kid, and that was just all like you know recreating the stories, all coming out of my own in my head. But it was always about kind of telling telling or experiencing a story. I think. Um, was what I was always really interested in. Um, I've, I've t- I don't know if I've told the story before, but I, I talk about it a lot. Like I went away from, we said like comics in terms of that reading, but I, w- I, I kept up longer than I did for reading novels. I was that classic kid who just like stopped reading, just like you know, reading is boring, which is obviously ironic now I'm an English teacher. Um, but it feels like it gives me a little bit of insight, I suppose. Um, I don't really believe in fate, but sometimes you start talking about things and it starts kind of, you know, things start feeling like maybe I'm not in, have any control of my life whatsoever. Maybe that had to happen in order for this. But I'm going to pretend that that, that, that isn't true and that I'm in control, a master of my own destiny. Um, but yeah, I stopped. I think, I think maybe it was, the, it was the passion for film. I don't know. But yeah, I stopped reading novels for a, just completely went away. And I've got quite a vivid memory. Like my memory is not great. Like again, come, you know, the stories that Chris comes out with on his podcast, I just don't know how he has such a clear memory of this stuff. Like my memory is so foggy and hazy of anything past like a couple of weeks ago. Um, but going back years and years and years, I don't know how people do it, but I do have a really clear memory of like being given a set of books and said like, it's important that you continue to keep reading. And these books are going to make you fall in love with reading again. And, you know, you look at your parents for quite a long period of your childhood thinking they're idiots what they don't know what they're talking about everything they say is wrong um but they couldn't have been more right they gave me to kill a mockingbird high fidelity um i definitely vividly remember those two and i think handmaid's tale um i was talking to mum about this the other day i can't remember what else but there were there were several books they just put in a pile and they said look you're going to read these you're going to start off not wanting to, but I guarantee you're going to fall back and have a reading once you once you read them. Um, and yeah, you know, begrudgingly, I have to admit they were right. Um, 
so yeah i think i think for me stories and escapism and uh yeah wanting to be transported somewhere else like again it's ironic we're here talking and i'm just relaying stories about myself and you know not really great at selling myself i suppose or um like thinking introspectively about myself in that way first there was the dc comics news podcast then came the spinner rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff i just mentioned i am the night a story about the stories a show celebrating batman the animated series week by week episode by episode just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones i am the night why hello there i'm seth singleton and i'm here to tell you about mad Pup, a harley quinn cast Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on the Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. 
I'm not a person that can just sit and have space around me and think. Um, I'm not sure what that's. Uh, yeah, I don't want. I don't want there to be anybody psychoanalyzing what that says about me. I'm just happy living in my ignorant bliss. But I need to fill that void with, you know, kind of music or a podcast or a book or. Um, although my brain just starts thinking, and I don't want to hear those thoughts. So I think that was a, a lot of it as well. It's just like filling that, filling that void um, with whatever I can. Um, and that happened to be largely superhero comics and action movies. I, rarely do I choose a film in order to, you know, or a comic or a book or a, in order to experience something that's real. I'm not really into to, you know, true crime um, series or biographies. Um, I think it's exactly that. I want to be transported somewhere. I want to get sucked into another world. I want to, want somebody else's imagination to to spark my own and to really interest me um i do attempt to write myself um as many of us do plug away with the hours we can find tapping around a keyboard pretending that i'm going to become some great novelist um yeah it's 100 percent about escapism and then there's of course there's there's that there's a place for that and i understand those people who are really passionate about kind of learning and growing and wanting to to um you know w- w- wanting true life to to inform their opinions and, and who they are as a person and we, we will do that to an extent i suppose but i feel like i can learn as many life lessons from science fiction and dystopian works and um you know satire and subtext and it's, it's all there for you to learn and to grow and to form an opinion in it in the same way as it would be watching something that's true. Yeah, I think I like to get away. That's definitely true. I, I try to bend my words as much as I can. So if I am teaching English and there happens to be a film adaptation, then if you know, I'll, I'll throw that in when I can um, and show some clips. Because I think what I've learned, I've been a teacher for 10 years now. Um, so it, was, it hasn't been like a lifelong career. I came to it a little bit later. What I've learned in that time is that everyone learns in a different way, which is obvious Like we all kind of know that. But then once you're in a classroom in front of a set of 30 kids, it becomes a lot harder to be able to, to manage that and provide that for them every day. Um, but you'll lose a kid when you're talking for an extended period of time. You'll lose 10 kids probably in a class of 30. And then when you read in a book, those 10 kids might be really interested, but another five have gone. Um, so I feel like there's real real value in all these kind of different mediums and different areas where you can really gather their interest. So yeah, like, like when I'm teaching, I try, like I said, I try to use film clips. Um, I try to have material around that's, that's kind of cross um, mediums, I suppose. So, you know, we do, I teach English, so we have to do Shakespeare, right? We have to do one Shakespeare every year. That's really hard when you're 11. Um, but if you can watch a cartoon of it or you can get the graphic novel version, um it's really i think that that's really important so i try to make those available you know like audiobooks audiobooks have massive value um to children who don't like to read and won't sit down and look at a book but spend half their time with headphones on um so if you can get them to listen to an audiobook then that's great as well and like i said before i think no matter what it is that that anyone's choosing to be invested in there's there's massive value right i mean Science fiction has been a big part of my life. Um, and science fiction is about messages and values and telling stories and warnings of like, if we keep doing this, this is what the world's going to be like. Um, it's just being done through subtext, right? Or being done through subtlety. Um, because particularly historically, you wouldn't be able to tell that story. Um, you know, when you're Fritz Lang and you're making Metropolis and you're talking about living in Germany and what it's like being under a a dictatorship, you can't make that film, but you can make a film set in the future and you can put some you can put some warnings in there about what life might be like, um, and how power can corrupt and how somebody can try and control life and 
so yeah i think there's real value in, in all of that really um and you can choose to either get lost in it for escapism or you can choose to delve into it a bit deeper and see see the meanings that may be intended and actually even if they weren't intended it doesn't matter if that's the meaning you get from it then that's just as equally valid it's just as it's a valid reading um i find it really interesting when you hear like authors particularly authors but you hear authors or creators say like that's not what what i meant you know i didn't intend for you to read this book and and i think this about it i didn't tell you to watch this movie and see references to these other movies in it like i've never seen those films so how could how could i be referencing them on purpose well once you've released it once you've made it and put it on the world it doesn't matter what what you intended what everyone reads into it and what they see in it and what they understand from it is is all as equally valid um which is a really important point i try to teach to the students you've got to got to hit some parameters in your reading of something because that's what an examiner at this point in your life is going to expect to see you get past that point and then every every opinion is valid right and what you take from what you see in it and what it means to you most importantly it is just as valid as anyone else's reading um and i think the things i'm drawn to allow for that allow for that allow for kind of different readings um and have different layers of of text to it as well. You can hear a riff, can't you? Or you can um, a, a song, a part of a song, or even the whole song, like, like or even it gets the end and be like, well, it really reminds me of something. And then you you can find it later on. Absolutely, that's, and I like that idea. Of it's almost kind of um, surreptitious. It's just kind of in your subconscious. Like you, you don't mean it, but it's there. And things just speak to you, don't they? And they kind of they burrow into you. And it's naturally going to come out, I think, um, be through music or art or you know, writing or drawing or whatever it is. It's those things which really mean something to you will, will find their way back out again, back out into the world. I think teaching the kids in school is really, is really interesting because I can remember being their age. I remember being into comics. Um, you wouldn't let anybody know that that's something you do in secret that's something i read for myself i'm not bringing a comic into school and saying come on guys come around and read this comic with me um the things you would do that about are the things you know that that felt i don't mean this but that felt like kind of grown up so i remember the, the i don't know if you've heard of the mary whitehouse experience that was a big show in the playground when i was growing up because it felt naughty it felt like you shouldn't be watching it. I think it was BBC Two, like nine o'clock on like a Tuesday night, something like that. And it was like a comedy sketch show, um, just sort of pre predating the day to day. You know, I don't know, like a year or two or so. But we're in that kind of era. Um, so you talk about that because it felt kind of a bit naughty. It felt like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And we'd go in quoting stuff, not really knowing what you were saying, and you'd quote it on the playgrounds. You certainly wouldn't do that with comics. Um, but now, because of MCU and obviously DC stuff, and and, and more than that, um, it's much more. It's not even acceptable. It's kind of acknowledged that that's what you would be talking about in terms of the students. I think um, I don't think it's judged, but I think interesting. The only people I've had to win over a little bit would be some of my colleagues in terms of teaching and in terms of you know what is literature. So there's maybe been a little bit of convincing there because I do try to celebrate comics as much as I can um, in the school setting when it's appropriate. And, you know, we've got a few displays up in the English department where we talk about literature we've read that means something to us. Or, um, you know, for Black History Month, we'll put a display up that is, you know, kind of significantly cultural books or books from people of colour that you've read. Um, and things like that so i think you know when i've wanted to put things up about comics there there's been a little bit of pushback like we well, you know we're an english department so we need we need a book from me well this is a book from me um just it comes with pictures you know that's fine that's allowed um so i think but that's the generational thing right i don't know because of manga as well manga has been a massive um 
has made a massive difference, hasn't it? Like, into, like a lot of younger people grow up reading manga now. So, you know, that idea of like comics, pictures with words is is just normal. And whether that's the only thing they read, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, it's a generational thing, definitely. And I don't, I don't even think I mean, you know, like like my age and above. I think you know, people who are, you know, adults, I suppose, you know, kind of late twenties through to uh, and above, that perhaps because they were within a generation where comics weren't regarded as literature, um, they they take a little bit convincing, but you know. I'm sure I'm sure I could sit them down with a few things and they would they would change their minds. Um I mean when I went to university I did a film study, so do you know what I mean we were all as equally geeky at that point. Um all we all wanted to do was sit in a dark room and, and watch things and then profess our wonderful opinions about it afterwards. Um pretending at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you know what you're talking about. Um pretending at forty one, you know what you're talking about. So yeah. Maybe I've just led a really charm life, you know. No trolling, no pushback on on geeky interests, other than I suppose wanting to keep it to yourself when you feel like you need to keep it to yourself, which is something that I think we all go through, don't we, when we're we're younger? That idea of peer pressure and wanting to fit in, and um, you know, have you seen this? Have you got this? Um. You know, right down to kind of, I don't know if it still exists now, but, you know, right down to kind of branded clothing and all that kind of stuff at times, you just want to, you want to fit in in order not to stand out, don't you? And I think growing up in that, um, for me, I suppose, I'm I'm really looking at early 90s, so that kind of early 90s to mid 90s period, I would have really felt that. Maybe that was a bit of a cause for dropping off from comics. That's interesting. I not really thought about it before. Um yeah, that would have been the sort of era when that would have been the sort of thing I wouldn't have spoken to people about, I wouldn't have thought. Also, my brother probably buggered off and took all the good ones with him anyway, so, um, which was rude of him, obviously. But the ones he would have left wouldn't have been any of the ones which, you know, I would have been sneaking in and taking out the cellophane to read anyway. Do what interests you, really. If that's standing and for six hours in a river hoping to catch one fish to put it back. Um, I don't get that, but if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Um, or if it's, you know, you want to sit and devour every hour of vampire diaries. So I think it doesn't interest me. I don't know why that came to mind, but it did. I was trying to think of something that had a lot of hours or something that I just wouldn't spend any time in. And Twilight came to mind, but there isn't really that many hours of that, is there? So I tried to find an alternative. But um they don't interest me, but it doesn't mean that a person's an idiot for, for being interested in it. I would probably grow up in that supportive environment. When I look at all my childhood photos a few years ago, my mum moved and um, out of our childhood home. And one of the things she did for all of us when she moved was to give us all our kind of like collection of his kind of your childhood photos. So obviously there's crossover when we're all together in certain pictures, but it was like, you know, here's the set that really kind of what I think defines you as you were growing up and my brother got one and my sister got one. Um, and it was all just kind of people playing together with Star Wars, G.I. Joe, yeah, He-Man. Um, pictures of me of this friend I had that was down the road. He was a year older than me. You know, just all, just all, it was all Star Wars, to be honest, at that point. Um, and I think we became friends because he had toys I didn't have. So generally it was like, hang on, he's got an he's got an he's got an AT80. I haven't got one of those. He seems like a cool guy to play with. Um, so yeah, I think I think the people I had around me were all like-minded. And then as we've you know we don't I don't want to repeat myself, but then I would just keep that insular. So if I'd met people who I was friendly for for other reasons, or you know on the playgrounds with the people who don't want to know that, I would just keep keep that away from them. Um, yeah, certainly we all grew up. And, you know, my sister's three years younger than me. Um, obviously has her own interests and her own life, but she's, you know, she reads comics. She, you know, we, we, I guess, you know, she has a very similar kind of interest and outlook on life. Um, 
so yeah it clearly was an environment we grew up in that helped to help to shape us definitely my mum was very um just very open to us experiencing obviously within safety reasons but I grew up in a nice little town I was one of those you know white kids in a white town mostly white town where you know it was safe to be out until it was dark and then you could go home living in southwest London now I'm a bit more protective of my two boys um probably you know probably not necessarily so it's a different world we live in now as well isn't it than it was then but um yeah I think we get our safe little cocoon where we were surrounded by people who who would let us have our interest and let's do what we want and let me record things off tv that I shouldn't be watching for the those people who do still think comics Mm. what are you into then well usually I would say what would you say to them Mm. But I guess in your case, what do you say to them? <laughs> what do you yeah, say to sure. them to sort of bring them round? I just think, um, I think I just talk about the value of them, really. And I think there's two levels to comics, isn't there? I, I think I think that is the one. What is the one medium, isn't it, that of this realm that we're talking about, which still has a bit of a stigma to it? I think everything else has kind of moved away, hasn't it? You know, t- TV, film, music uh gaming even i think doesn't really have that stigma over it anymore i think because they're they're stories now they're not just you know side scrolling and um and jumping and hitting things they they tell kind of full scale stories um the stigma of those seems to go away it's just comics and i think yeah there's two levels you can talk about it as being an access for for people who are reluctant to read there is a danger of that, I understand, because that's not what comics is necessarily for. But I think I think that is that is one way to talk about them and I think to, to win people over. I don't think it's the only way. But I think there's the idea of the the sophistication of storytelling that goes in the comics and the idea that there's there's two you're reading comics twice, right? You're reading the words, but you're also reading the pictures um there's a reason why most comics are written and drawn by different people and that's not to say that they can't be done by by single people i just read um universe because tony covered it on his latest indie comic spotlight show and that was written and drawn by the same guy and like amazing on on both counts but i think it's the level of work is if it's an indie comic and you can release it when you can release it it's fine it's the level of work on a monthly is too much i think for one person but they're two completely different skills aren't they like what you're saying and what you're seeing and they're two skills we all need for life i mean i don't know what the exact stats but there's all these stats you know they're like 10 percent of what we say is how we actually understand each other it's kind of body language and facial expressions and tone and and although you can't hear it that's what comics do right the images tell as much if not sometimes more of a story depending on the writer not claremont obviously um who I still do love. I know we all make that joke, but we, I still do love him. Um, but the, the images tell us much of the story. So I think you can give the right comic to the right reluctant re- reader and get them interested. But you can also give the right comic to the right disparaging reader and show them, well, look, look at what's going on here. It's not just... And it's not giving them necessarily Watchmen and saying, look how dense this is. It's giving them... Uh, I don't know what's not going to come to mind. Even something like kind of poppy, you know, giving them Scott Pilgrim and saying, you know, um, there's there's stuff going on in the images and, and between the characters that that is that is worth considering. It's not just fun fights. There's actually some lessons to be life lessons to be learned from this comic. Um, I can just see that on my bookshelf, which is why I've used that one. Um, but there's so many comics out there that. That 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 tell um, a story, and you back to this idea that we've said before about you know like um, you can learn from, you can learn messages and values from from them, um, and just because they're pictures with words doesn't mean they're not they're not as valid. Um, um, and I think. 
and that idea of like you know I was saying about you know, like Keith Sutherland in 24 it felt like a big deal you're getting some writers who are obviously moving into the comics realm who maybe have not done so before so my partner um she's an English teacher she is an avid like novel reader she'll read a novel a week um and um Margaret Atwood a couple of years ago wrote some graphic novels so she picked those up and you know so I think the more these worlds continue to to blend and blur the better because there's an argument you know graphic novels comics are for kids oh but Handmaid's Tower is one of the best just open sci-fi novels ever written isn't it it is yeah oh here's this Margaret Atwood comic that she she made do you fancy giving that a read so um yeah the more these lines continue to blur I think they're better it's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't know. It's just popped into my head. Like, I used to read a lot of Asterix when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if people still read Asterix anymore. But um, like that that was okay. And I read a lot of Beano and Dandy. And like, that was okay. So I don't know why there's this sudden point when you hit, well, in certain people's minds, where there's a sudden point that you hit where it's like, well, don't read comics anymore. You've got to read a novel. I don't know why there's that mindset. And hopefully it is starting to go now. Um and it doesn't need to be the Eisner award-winning comics we're talking about here. There's there's value in all of it, isn't it? There's value in what Batman's doing. There's value in what Jessica Jones is doing. There's stuff going on in all these comics that that are worth everybody reading if it's if that's their interest. You can hear more from Jack on the Seasons Greeting Show on the Comics in Motion podcast feed where he and Tony Farina pick apart an entire TV show season by season. You can contact him on Twitter at I am Jack's Musings, that's J-A-C-S. And you can read his pop culture views and reviews on iamjacksmusings.wordpress.com. Super Dummy production for Fantastic Universes. Find out more at fantasticuniverses.com and superdummy.co.uk slash geek. You can contact the show on Twitter at Era of Geek or by email geek at superdummy.co.uk. You can support the show and Fantastic Universes by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasticuniverses.